All right, so a few uh, final things on the, it, kind of an introduction to Romans, and we obviously talked about the division there that Paul was dealing with. Paul was considered normally a, uh, an apostle to the Gentiles. So I, I, mean, I got to take from that, the, the people at Rome were probably majority Gentiles, but there were obviously some Jews there because he's dealing with that. And of course, the gospel deals with everyone, and that's the message that he's, that he's bringing. All right, so you guys are the Jews. What did you think? What did you think about the whole deal with Cornelius? What was your reaction? Anybody want to give us a? I mean, we're all like, yeah, Cornelius, <laughs> or. Can't believe he did that. Yeah. So were there were there Gentiles before Cornelius that had become Christians? Yes, but what? They had become proselytes first, even when they chose the the seven, uh, Stephen, not Stephen. Uh, Nicholas, is that the one? Nicholas, a proselyte. So he was a Gentile, but he'd become a Jew. So as long as these guys become Jews and then Christians, that's fine, right? And what did what happened though with Cornelius? The story is obviously Peter gets the message, the visions, and then he says, Hey, there's some guys coming to see you, see you, go with them. Okay, he gets there and there's Gentiles at the door. Okay, he goes there, and they invite him in, and God said, don't, you know, don't resist, go ahead and go. And what did he do? He went inside the house, and he made a big deal of that. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, it's just a normal everyday thing, because what's the first thing he says when he gets in front of his house? He's like, uh, you guys know he's probably <laughs> And there were some other people with me. You know it's not lawful for me to even be in this house. Right? It was a big deal. It was a huge deal for the Jews. They thought the Gentiles needed to become Jews first. And Peter, God showed Peter, through Cornelius, through Peter, that you don't. That's when the Spirit fell on them, just like it did on us. And then Peter goes back to Jerusalem and tells them what all happened back there. And everybody back to Jerusalem is like, right on, man, now the Gentiles are welcome as well, right? No, even they had the same question and, and the same accusation. Peter, you did what? You went into a Gentile house and you ate with them. It was a huge deal. So that's what Paul is dealing with now in that division that some of them were still working on. So when Stephen was stoned, it said then that they spread everywhere preaching the gospel. Remember that? But not to everybody. They went preaching to Jews only. So that's where this comes in with Cornelius, and then it opens up, and then Paul goes out of he's preaching to the Gentiles all over the place. Comments on that? Corrections? Anything? 
to say about spreading the gospel to the Gentiles. Okay, so Paul has been trying to get to Rome. He's been hindered in doing that. And in chapter 15, it talks about him coming there for another purpose or on his way somewhere. In chapter 15, 23, uh, 22, for this reason I've often been hindered in coming to you, but now with no further place for me in these regions since I have had for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain. For I hope to see you in passing, to be helped in my way there by you when I, fin- when I first enjoyed your company for a while. So it wasn't like, hey, yeah, I'm on my way to Spain, can I spend the night, you know, and then head on to Spain. But he obviously wanted to see the people in Rome. But what else does this maybe help you understand about the book of Romans? What is this stopover about? Besides just meeting with the Romans. What else is he asking for there? Place to stay. To enjoy their company for a while. And, and he talks earlier in the book about a reciprocal that I gave from you and you gave from me. Yes? Providing for his journey. So you ever think about this? Romans is a preacher support letter. You know, kind of like the ones we get here to build it. A couple things different. What, what happens today is somebody's going to go preach and they want to you know, be supported. They send you a letter and say, hey, I'm going to go to wherever. Uh, you know, pick a place. And preach the gospel. And looking for some support to do that. Right? Paul, would, would that be a, maybe a little odd for Paul to say, hey, I'm going to go preach the gospel. You, you guys know what that is? And looking for some support to do that. So in one sense, Paul is like, I'm going to go preach the gospel. If you could help me on that, that'd be great. And here is what I'm going to preach. This is the gospel. Now, he's delivered it to the Romans as well, but it's also an explanation of what he views as the gospel that he's going to be doing. I don't think we get that much anymore, do we? I mean, we don't, probably don't get letters and people say, yeah, I'm going to go preach the gospel, and here's what I think the gospel is. It's, you know, we, we see it as self-explanatory today. I'm going to preach the gospel. Okay, great. The other thing that's different, Paul said, I'm going to go to Spain to teach those people. It would be nice if you helped me, but I'm going to Spain. It's not one of those, yeah, I really love to go to some foreign country, whatever, and I need some support. And if you can help me, great, then those people can be saved. If you can't, well, forget those people. And sometimes we get the letters, like, yeah, kids haven't eaten forever, I need this much money to survive. And Paul's like, I'm going to Spain. And he ends up, uh, history would say that he did that. Uh, but I don't think it rotated or revolved around the Romans helping him to get there. Any thoughts on that? Up here, guys. Both of you. That's just pure dependence on God. Yes. More like 
dependence on God exactly what we should be doing. Right. So he was delivering some money to the poor before he came, before he was going to go to spend. Right. Yeah, he had other things. You're saying that in connection with... I'm sorry? I, I was just trying to connect that with what, what was the... That he was taking care of the poor before he was taking care of himself. Okay, yeah, he's more worried about helping those things back in Jerusalem. And apparently, I mean, I've heard different stories about the reason for the saints needing that, you know, that help back there. So uh, um, whether once you become a Christian, you're no longer allowed in the Jewish uh, uh, business trade, stuff like that. Josh up here. Uh, Bob, you have some? And then, uh, yes, no? No. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, there's some talk about a famine or something in that area as well. So it could be uh, something related to that. So exactly, he's going to take care of other people and then take care of himself. Stephanie? Well, it just stands out that it's um, years of waiting for this desire of this to come about. Yes, it's not like uh, first uh, next week I'll be back. <laughs> That, that is always, I mean, maybe it's hard for us to comprehend that sometimes. We read through the New Testament. Paul went on his first journey, and then he got back home, and next month he went on his second journey, and he got back next month. No, he stayed months and places, sometimes a couple of years, and, and this was over a long period of time. So, and then to think the communication, you know, as old as over in, in uh, uh, Austria, and we still text. And here Paul would write this letter and hand it to somebody and say, here, get on a boat and take this wherever and, and get, and then, I'm, and then you see sometimes the stress. And it's like, we're waiting to hear, hear back from you and, and have some things delivered or something like that. Other thoughts? All right, let's look at the first uh, few verses of this. And Romans chapter 1, let's just read uh, the first 15. Paul, the bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are, call, are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my, in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers, making request. If perhaps now at last by the will of God I might succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you in order that I may impart some spiritual gift to you and that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. 
And I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented thus far, in order that I might obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So Paul calls himself a bondservant. Other versions use a slave, a servant. Why, why would somebody um, acknowledge that they're a slave? What would be the possible, what would be the reasons? What could be some reason? What would be some reason that you might, that you might tell somebody, hey, I'm a slave of so-and-so? He's happy to be. What might that? I think I think that's probably true. Right here, Brad. Yes. By his authority. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Also. Okay, it's an equality, I mean, even thing there, Alan? It's, it's a devotion to a master. He's given himself to, to Christ. And as others, they, they would serve their masters. And it reminds me of the piercing the ear to the, to the wall there. Here's right. someone who has made that kind of commitment that he is there for Christ and Christ alone. Right, exactly, yes. One of the things we do read about slavery in the Greco-Roman context is that it worked differently than the way it did in the Annabelle time. And one of the things was that the status that you had as a slave depended on who, what kind of, who's slave you were. Okay, so he, what he's talking about here is that you were a slave to the CEO of the universe. So that, that's probably an upgrade to most of us. Right. You're a slave, you're owned by him, but you also have some status. Exactly. Examples of that, I think, up here, Josh. Um, even like with Daniel and his friends, are um, taken away into captivity. Now, what do you do when you take people into captivity? You just throw them all in the salt mines and give them a pick and whatever. No, they would pick out the better ones, and they ended up in positions. And even the slaves ended up in a higher position, depending on who they were a slave of. So that that makes sense. A common word is honor. Can I call honor to be in service? Can and their honor and okay. service and devotion. We've talked about that before, but I see it as I feel a sense of honor to serve and to serve others. Right. Yes, so put all those things together. I think that's what Paul has in mind here. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ and proud of it. And you need to be slaves too and we'll be on an equal plane in that. I'm not above you, not below you. Uh, trying to work, work together on that. Yes. They were purchased. Purchased by his blood. Kind of... Uh, a price that was paid as a, bought a slave <laughs> in some sense. Other thoughts? 
right here. In Matthew, we're told that in order to be first, you must be a servant. And in order to, uh, well, and as it says, but whoever would be great among you must be the servant. Whoever would be first among you must be the slave. And so, in order to be first in the kingdom of God, you must be a slave. And then in John, we're told that those who practice sin are slaves to sin. So, you will be a slave to one or the other. Right. So, no matter what you choose, Good, good point. Good point. Yeah, Brad. And uh, he's a servant of the anointed King, the anointed one, Jesus. Um, and then uh, the transition will be. He's also then called to be an apostle, not just any servant of the King, but someone who has a mission. From from the anointed one. Yeah, called as an apostle. So, so why does Paul have to explain this to people when he's writing this letter? Paul, you know, he's, there's quite an introduction here, isn't there? <clears throat> what, you'd say one through seven? <laughs> you'd think it would be, uh, hey, I'm Paul, and go on into the, into the uh, rest of it. Yeah, Bob? Well, there's several things. Uh, not everyone is going to uh, actually know Paul. There are a few there that do, but not everyone does. So that requires some kind of uh, introduction. And then, even in Rome, we're probably uh, dealing with the uh, Judaizing teachers who belittle Paul in so many instances. And so, not knowing who's been there, you know, he puts it all out front who he serves, who he uh, works for, and where his message comes from. Okay. I, I agree. There's probably several things. Josh got up here. Let's go to Jen and then your mom. <laughs> Not your mom, his mom. Yeah, so obviously from chapter 16, some of the people knew him, but I would think there's a lot more people in Rome than what's listed in chapter 16. Exactly. It's going to be his history allowed him to be known by some and other songs, but his history was not that long. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there, he's got a little background there that he might want to go into. That probably got there before he did. That's, that's exactly right. So introducing himself, letting people know who he is, because uh, a lot of the little people would not know him. Are the Gentiles back online? Okay. All right, very good. Um, I'm sorry. Um, yes, I did. Do you have it cute? All right.
And let me see if I've got anything else here first on this intro, and then that would be a perfect time. Thank you for reminding me. Um, yeah, let's do that. Uh, there is a, uh, a three-minute Bible study that we've got queued up here, and it's kind of an overview of the book of Romans in three minutes. So we're going to take that and look at it, and you probably want to go back and view this like four or five times because it goes through really fast, <laughs> and it's got a lot of good input in it. You know, we started in chapter 16, and then we just did the whole book. We ought to be done. <laughs> I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. I've had to listen to it a few times to try to 
because he does talk very fast. He does keep it to three minutes, and that's the point. And he had some daisies and stuff to look at while that was going on. I'm sure that was helpful and inspiring. Okay, so let me see here. In the, uh, in the beginning, Paul, of course, the bondservant and slave to Jesus Christ, and he says, which was promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy uh, Scriptures. So a bondservant of Jesus Christ called his apostles set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What significance... I mean, Paul starts out pretty soon making that statement there, saying this was promised beforehand. Why? What would be the significance of that? Why would it matter to anyone, or why would Paul think it's important to say, hey, this was promised a long time ago? Rissa and then Alan. They knew something. They didn't always get it right, but yes. Before the Jews. The promise was made before. The promise was before the Jews. Exactly. Yes. So we're going back to prophets, not necessarily just prophets in the old law era, but prophets way back. Josh, can you slide over there to Boyd, please? So there would have been some significance to that. Go ahead. of this plan and all along. So Paul's saying, this is what I'm preaching. I'm preaching this gospel. And some of you are like, whoa, gospel thing? What's, what's this? And, and we've, we've got our law thing. And we've got, we've got to make proselytes. And we've got to do this and this. And Paul's saying, this goes way back. Look at it, people. This was promised a long time ago. I'm not doing anything that God didn't say was already planned. Way back before the law even came. There was a promise that the Savior, the Messiah, would come. And that's where we're at. And I'm telling you about that gospel of Jesus Christ. 
um, what, what is the gospel? He, he mentions here is the gospel of God. Uh, Jesus Christ is God. What, what is the gospel? I think back really got me thinking about it when Brad did that lesson a while back on, on the gospel. Somebody asked, you know, what, what's the gospel? I think I think gospel, I think in this for us, is one of those terms that becomes a religious term, even though I don't think it started as a religious term. It's the gospel. Gospel of what is what's important. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what makes when we say gospel, that's what makes it important. It is the fact about Jesus Christ. It is the uh, essence of Jesus Christ. It is everything that he is, the fact that he is the king in power, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We say, oh, it's the good news. Well, it's the Bible, or, you know, it's the story. It, it's, it's more than that. It is everything that he represents, that he stands for, that he's done for us, and that he is doing for us. Yes. We'll hear Exactly. Yes, uh, Brad or Brad? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I think you can kind of get a clue as to what maybe he means by the gospel, by what he then goes on to say, which is Jesus was the descendant of David, the son of God, which God said, God promised to David that he would raise up a person to be king forever, and he would be his father, and he would that person would be to him a son. So the son of God is the rightful heir to the throne, Jesus, the anointed king. And so I think that's part of maybe the crux of what Paul is talking about here. And it's interesting that he's writing to Rome, people in Rome who are closest to the emperor who have heard another gospel that Augustus is going to set everything in order and save everyone. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, do you have something yourself? Okay. Jesse. I really love the discussion around that gospel of this. Here's we've been kind of looking at it. When I always thought that the gospel was the book that I held in my hand, and it is an extension. But to them, like, they had people coming from the East because they knew about this thing that was coming, right? And the Jews, they were waiting centuries and centuries for this moment to arrive. I don't have that figure. I didn't have that expectation. And so it's really neat to see that this man that was God that fulfilled that expectation. Like, this is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the one we've been waiting for. It's finally here. He is the descendant of the real son of God. And it, to me, it just, as you were kind of stating, it has so much vibrancy to what gospel means to Exactly. You could have a gospel of of anybody or anything, 
but this is the gospel of Christ. And it's more than just the message about Christ. It's maybe, maybe for me, the concept's a little difficult, but the gospel is Christ. It is God. It is the essence of, of what he is. It isn't just the, uh, the message about it. Brad up here. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, and we obviously relating that to Christ. Yeah, go ahead, Bob. It is so big and it's so great that we have a hard time defining it. I believe we just we can't do it. Right. Know? And we say many things. In First Corinthians two two, Paul summed it up. I know nothing among you but Christ and Him crucified. And that kind of is this great uh, compact way. Of saying I've been set apart for the gospel of God here in verse one in our Romans text, so uh, that's that was something that Paul hung his hat on was that that phrase, Christ has been crucified. Exactly. That's something we need to hold on to today when we're thinking about. Yes. Yeah. And I love that in one sixteen it says the gospel is the power of God. <laughs> it is the power of God. Right, right. Yeah, I th- we sometimes get it, I don't know, try to, try to make it just, I think some people refer, uh, you know, kind of refer to this, the, the Bible itself or the message or the, the Word of God. You know, we've got we to gotta, we gotta read, you know, and study the gospel and we've got to learn about the gospel. You know, there are experts on biblical writings that don't believe in God. So you can, you can study all day long and learn every word and every root of every word and every law and everything in it, but there's more to it than that. Yes? The, the gospel we know is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, suffered, died, buried, and rose all for us. And that's the, and that the great description of what comes from is from the beginning, it's never changed, is in Titus 1, he said, Paul, servant of God, and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching, which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Mm-hmm. So that's a great wrap up, a little tied in a bow right. of what this gospel of Jesus Christ brings to us. And what it meant to him is, is bring that. All right. All right. Uh, microphone guys, hold them for a second so I can go on. Let's go to boy. I've heard it said that the gospel Christ is the announcement that he is our king. 
Yeah, and that would kind of fit with some of these other announcement type things of a grand victory or somebody becoming that. Yeah, so I think it would fit with that. And I think, yeah, it really needs to be with Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. We all know what we're talking about when we say that term. I don't, I don't, it's kind of like the church building, you know, oh, it's not, you know, the church is, you know. (laughs) We don't have to get all tied up about that thing. So, um. He said, the, he goes on, who was declared, excuse me, concerning his son, who was born in the center of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power uh, by the resurrection from the dead. So, that word there, he was declared, is, I mean, what do you think? Spike declares, I declare that this. Do you find that a little odd that he was declared the son of God? Right there, Brian. Well, it had to be announced to men. Say it. It had to be announced to men. It had to be announced to men. It was when he was baptized. Okay. He played the Son of God. So then my question, and I don't disagree, there was certainly an announcement. I think there's a little more to that. Yeah, that's just one example. Exactly. Perfect. Thank you. One example. Was he the Son of God before it was declared? Okay. So what might else uh, would uh, go along with this? Uh, right up here, Josh. To, to make this statement make a little more sense to us. Pray about Well, Paul elsewhere talks about mystery being made known. Okay. And so uh, the fact that Jesus was the Son of God has been proved before the beginning. And so it is Put that with it, and that is the proof, the example, and I think more of a, a I don't know, maybe a concept here is the fact that he was declared the Son of God with power. He's always been the Son of God, but was he always the one? Would you say in power? Is he the one to, you know, until he came, died, was resurrected, and you know, he was glorified? even by his father, as the Messiah, the, the Son of God in power. And I think that might be the key to this, is that at that point, he, by the resurrection, he was declared to be the one in power. He overcame everything, overcame death, overcame, you know, all, all of this, to, and, and took our sins and overcame all of that for us. Yes? I didn't, I didn't know that was an accounting term. I knew more accounting than I thought. I, I just realized. You put so 
serve together and you come out that it was a powerful declaration uh, in a way that could not be denied. I mean, no one had ever, well, some had been raised when he and they had been raised, and that was a miracle. But he's the only one that was raised by God. Exactly. Very good. Yes. Kind of reminds me of this when it talks about, you know, did not consider robbery to be equal with God and he was obedient to the point of the death on the cross. And as a result, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every name will bow. That idea that, you know, came to man, lived obediently, suffered death, was raised, and as a result was given this uh, name of every name. Exactly. Very good. Other thoughts? Good. Uh, no, go ahead. I gave you the opportunity to shut me off when I said, uh, I was going to say, and then you're supposed to say, but you're not me. It makes you think of a, this was a declaration for humanity because the period of demons understood who he was before. And I don't Yeah, so it, it was declared everywhere to everyone and something like that before. All right, go ahead. Yeah, Bob? The declaring here seems to be, to me, when I read this, the declaration is the manifestation of the resurrection. That's yes. what's doing the declaring. Right. It's not me coming to the conclusion or anything like that. It's declared whether I come to the conclusion or not. Right. I, I agree. I think the resurrection did the declaring. I think we can also, I mean, Paul was doing this, you know, repeating that or stating it or bringing that uh, evidence forward uh, as well. All right, so uh, to all the, verse 7, you know, he's talking to those, he says, among whom you also, in verse 6, are, call, are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Typical greeting, uh, he's offering to these people. And then, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because of your faith, uh, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. This is one of those times where Paul gives us the first thing. And then he never mentions the numbers again, but that's okay. <laughs> Maybe like this is the first important or something like that. Not that he's necessarily counting. Um, so first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you. So he goes into uh, kind of a prayer uh, situation or talks about at least praying for them. Um, and it's being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Paul obviously knew a lot of these people, chapter 16, knew what they had been doing before, what they were capable of, what they had done in other places. Priscilla and Aquila obviously traveled around several places and quite a, uh, quite a history there. And it's been proclaimed, apparently, other people were getting this message as well. Look what the Romans are doing, and Paul was very thankful for that. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, is in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. 
So he's saying, God knows how often I miss, uh, how often I mention you. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of His Son. Is there any what what phrase might we use for that? In my spirit, you know, the, whom I serve in my spirit. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of His Son. Yes. All my soul, heart, and mind. All my soul, heart, and mind. It's my essence. It's my, you know, my inner whatever, being, person, feeling, uh, desire. So, uh, and then going on, always in my prayers, making requests. If perhaps, perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you in order that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. What... Uh, maybe a couple different ways to look at that. I want to bring a spiritual gift. One way might be what? Lay his hands on them and then they can do. I'll give you a spiritual gift. Is there other options? The gospel, a spiritual gift. Maybe using his spiritual gift you know, imparting some of, of what he has received in that. The what? Verse 12, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you, you, you while, while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Yeah, it does seem to be tied together with that. Encouraged together. So Paul was wanting to go to the Romans. He said, I just can't wait to get there because I got some stuff to tell you and it's going to be so beneficial for you and I'm going to help you and you're going to be just wonderful after I get done with you. And that's not exactly what he said. What would Paul get out of this? What are some things that he looks for, refers to, tries to, to get back from, from preaching those? Yes, Alan? Well, the, the joy of seeing them learn and them accept. There's no greater joy than when you talk to someone and see them accept and they go on and teach someone else. Okay. That's a, a mutual thing. Yes, it, there's definitely a benefit in that. I, I mean, you felt that. <laughs> Our, you know, we could, we could feel that same type of thing. But also, I mean, does Paul need, does Paul need anything? I mean, he's an apostle. He's got... He's got all the information. He's got, you know, he's got a direct line to God. I mean, he's just right there. <laughs> yes, don't you think, what would you think he needs? He said, so that I may reap, he said, so that I may reap the harvest among you. Okay. So what he's going to get is reaping, he's going to share his spirit with them. They're going to pick up on the spirit of God and learn and become that. And he's going to rejoice in the harvest that he reaped. And that's what we should all be rejoicing in when the soul comes to, to Christ. We should reap in the harvest of that. And doesn't that build you up yeah. as well? I mean, so Paul, is, it's not... You see when he's writing letters to some of the churches, and they're dealing with problems, and it's like, that hurts me. You know, it makes it hard, harder for me. I, I, need you to, I need you to do well because... 
that does me well. It does me good. Yes. Right. So mutually encourage one another. So there's definitely an encouragement that he's looking for to get out of that as well. Um, goes on to talk about, you know, I long to see you. I want you to know that I've been trying to come. I've been prevented. Uh, that I could get some fruit from you. Um, he goes, I am under an obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, the wise and the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. We will stop there.